coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Everybody and welcome to the Player Raider Podcast, your central source for dynasty values and uh, dissecting players. I'm your host George Kritikos. With me, as always, Mr. Ryan McDowell. Ryan, how are things going? Things are well. I'm excited to talk about some of these players today. We're you know we're one day closer to real football, and the preseason has been a good. I guess appetizer, especially as we get into these second and third weeks where. We'll see some play some of, some of the players we know actually playing uh, some some real time. We get a, a glimpse of what might happen in this season, but uh, yeah, there's there's nothing like week one. I'm ready for it. Yeah, it's it, it definitely is a bit of a tease. You know, you get a guy like Trey Burton do really well this week, and uh, you kind of wish it helped your fantasy teams, but unfortunately, you're not there yet. So you just hope that that continues, and that wasn't kind of the uh, the high point for him for the season. So. Ryan, let's let's talk a little bit on what's on tap for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Today, George, we're going to take a look back at some some of our old data, some of our ADP from a year ago this month, and look at some of the players who have dramatically risen or maybe even fallen off the map completely over those past 12 months. Yeah, I think this will be uh, interesting to kind of see how things have changed. And, and, you know, obviously you run in the ADP, you see those changes occur month to month. But obviously looking at it across an entire year uh, can be a little bit different because you have a whole season and a whole off season to, to contend with. Um, so for this exercise, we're going to look at August 2017 versus the most recent ADP data, August 2018. And let's start with a riser here, Ryan. Let's start with Chris Hogan, the, the New England Patriots wide receiver. This time last year, he was at 217 uh, and has risen all the way up to 77. So right now, he's between Duke Johnson and Deion Lewis. Uh, in, in the most recent ADP, he went as high as 56, as low as 100. I think it's pretty clear why he's risen over the last year. Uh, but do you feel like this is kind of where you feel like he should be before the season starts? Or, or are you a bit skeptical of this, uh, this ADP? This feels right for me. Uh, and first of all, just looking at all these players we're going to be talking about today and, and where they were a year ago, for the most part, it's it's just really hard to believe. I think we have, we're, we're so, so short-sighted, I guess. I don't know, that's that's maybe not the right word. But we, we, have a, we have a short memory when it comes to how these players are valued. And to think that Chris Hogan was outside of the top 200 this time last year is, is really surprising. He certainly does deserve the jump, I think. But at the same time, there's there's some reasons for concern. I looked back at his finishes over the past few years. Wide receiver 60 is his highest finish. And for the most part, at least the past two years, that's been due partially to injury. He was off to a great start last year, had the shoulder injury, and ended up missing uh, seven total games. When he was on the field, things... You know, things looked great and things, I guess we could say the situation is even brighter this year with the Julian Edelman suspension. Brandon Cooks is gone from last year. So, uh, and all reports that we've gotten from camp have been, have been great regarding Hogan. He, he caught the touchdown in week two, I believe. So the, the situation really couldn't be much, much better in his case. Uh, I, I am starting to to wonder if maybe there's an injury concern with Hogan. He's been hurt and and missed game time the past three years. Uh, for the most part, fortunately for him and, and the Patriots, those have been 
relatively minor injuries, but he hasn't he hasn't put together that full season that we would like to see and that consistent production. Yeah, and I think some of that skepticism, be it injury or production, or, or maybe even where he sits in this pecking order, although that's kind of cleared up even over the last few weeks, uh, it seems like maybe some of that has... Uh, made our, our rankers in the top 200 go a little bit lower on him. He's at 115 there, uh, just behind James Washington, just ahead of Jimmy Graham. Uh, really, the majority of them have him outside the top 100. His highest was 93. Uh, so, so it's interesting to see that, the, that there is some deviation between uh, our drafters versus uh, the, the DLF rankers. So, uh, so to your point, I think there, there's a fair amount of, of concern on one end, but but optimism as well, uh, kind of given that range. So from a positional perspective, uh, Hogan comes in at wide receiver 51, just behind Kenny Galladay, just ahead of Cam Meredith, as high as 40, as low as 65. Uh, that, that seems to me, wide receiver 51, that he would probably lean more towards that uh, 100 range as opposed to maybe going as high as 77. Uh, if you were to take the positional rankers and, and kind of maybe slot where they might put him in a given draft. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I would. And and we definitely saw some interesting things happening with our Dynasty ADP this month in, in August. We saw a real impact, and, and this happens every year, so it's it's nothing strange necessarily. It just kind of goes along with uh, the the process, but we saw a major impact from our redraft ADP, uh, and and I've talked about this before on here and and in other places as well. But once those redraft leagues, those seasonal leagues start, veterans start getting pushed up the the list as far as the best available options, and maybe the younger players uh, start getting pushed down the list. So guys like Hogan, who are expected to make a big contribution in 2018 and, and maybe don't quite have that, that elite certainly don't have that elite dynasty value yet. Uh, they, they get pushed up the board and, and therefore they get their ADP sees a jump. I, th- I think that's probably what happened in his case and maybe why the ADP is a little bit out of line with our ranks. Uh, I, I am glad to hear you say that his average is wide receiver 51. I checked my numbers and I have him as wide receiver 52 uh, so I'm certainly in that range, but when I looked at that number, it it did feel a little low. So I, that may be one thing I want to go back and take a look at and see if that's still where I'm comfortable with him. Yeah, and I I think because of of the the dynamic nature of the preseason and everything, I mean these these rankings can change so much more quickly now as we start to head towards the season. And obviously, depending on your excitement for camp news and things like that, you might move it more or less. Uh, but let's let's look at some of the recent trades here, Ryan, and and let's get a gauge, you know, because uh, you know we've talked about guys maybe who have a little bit more name value. I wouldn't necessarily say that that Hogan is one of those type of players, uh, even though he has done well when he's been healthy. Uh, so the first trade is is pretty straightforward, just Chris Hogan for a 2019 second round pick. Uh, which way are you leaning on this one? I think this is a fair deal. I I I don't think anybody would pay a first rounder for Chris Hogan. Uh, or it, at least most people would not. I know he has some some major supporters out there, but in in most cases, I would be surprised to see Hogan go for a first rounder. So, of course, the the next option beyond that is the second rounder, and maybe it it, it could have been a second and a third. I, I was w- would have still considered that a fair deal. I don't think this is our last chance to sell Chris Hogan. He's Maybe he's older than most people think because he hasn't really been relevant throughout his career. Uh, I think he, I believe he is 29 though. He's gonna have he's gonna have a strong season, right? I mean, even even if he does deal with injuries, you're going to have opportunities to sell and probably can get a little bit more than a second, maybe even two seconds, maybe a second and a third. Uh, a, a prospect that is not off to a good start could be an option as well. So in this deal, I'm going to take the Hogan side, but I do think overall it's fair. Yeah. Hogan's interesting because he's 29, but he has upside, which is probably pretty rare at the wide receiver position. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Hogan side as well. I agree with you. I think a, a, another uh, pick would be a nice kind of kicker to, to really push me over the edge to the pick side. But to your point, I don't think this is an unfair trade by any means. It's just more of a preference than it is. 
you know, saying that one side is clearly more valuable than the other. Uh, so the second trade here, uh, Chris Hogan for another veteran receiver and Emmanuel Sanders, along with a 2019 third round pick. Uh, I found this one pretty interesting. It, you know, it, it's it's two veteran players, both with uh, very different situations. Uh, and then the, the 2019 third is just kind of a little bit of a cherry to the deal. Uh, so what are you thinking on this one? Yeah, this is this is kind of a surprising deal for me. I I feel like we all basically expect Hogan to to outproduce Sanders this year. Um and if that is the case, if if my feeling on that's correct, I just don't see why you make this deal. You're either counting on Hogan to be part of your playoff contending team or you're selling for picks or younger players. So this one doesn't really make sense for me. I, I don't necessarily consider myself a huge Chris Hogan fan, but I'm going to be on his side again in this deal. Yeah, I think that upside is, is what makes the difference here as well. I mean, I know that the, the Broncos quarterback situation has been a little bit murky this preseason. Uh, you know, not that anyone's relying on Paxton Lynch necessarily to do much, <laughs> but, but I, I agree with you. I think, you know, when you're going veteran for veteran, and, and both guys have, have been productive when healthy. I mean, the upside clearly is on the Hogan side. And if I'm a contender, that seems like like the side I would prefer as well. Uh, so let's do the third one here, Ryan. Uh, I thought this one was definitely the most interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a package here. Chris Hogan and Anthony Miller, I know a, a favorite of yours and uh, mine as well. For, for Adam Thielen and then Kendall Wright, which just feels kind of like a like a balancing out the player type of uh, part, unless you're really excited about the Minnesota slot receiver situation. So uh, which side are you leaning here? Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily excited about Kendall Wright and uh, certainly just to throw in. So yeah, this, this is a good one. So Hogan and Miller for Thielen. Of course, Thielen is, uh, has, elevated himself from that undrafted free agent to now being viewed as the safe dynasty asset, even though like Hogan, he's a little bit older than we might realize because he got a little bit of a late start to his career, at least to the, uh, the relevant productive part of his career. I just think the upside of, of two pieces slightly outweighs Thielen. This is, this is really close. I, I think I'm going with Hogan and Miller. I don't blame either side for this deal though yeah this this felt like something where if if you're really a contender and you're maybe trying to solidify a wide receiver spot then the feeling side makes a lot of sense because you're kind of consolidating assets to make a run um but but i was on the hogan miller side i really like miller i think that that there's uh, you know i i mean i think you've seen him go in the late first now for for a decent amount of drafts and has nothing but good publicity coming out of camp here uh, and had a pretty good game yesterday. I think he went three for 33, something like that. Uh, so looked pretty good overall. So yeah, I'm on that side as well. But but to your point, I certainly wouldn't blame anyone for going the other direction, depending on the the depth of your roster, how many how many roster spots you get, and and you know your starting ramifications as far as number of receivers and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting trade for sure. So Ryan, you know, this is a little different because we're, we're comparing year to year. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the movement in ADP and maybe what you've seen. Absolutely. So we, like you said, we are going to go back a little further than we typically do. We're going all the way back to August of 2017 to track the development and the change in, in ADP and value of these players. We said this at the beginning of the uh, of the segment here that Hogan's August ADP a year ago was 217, which is surprising, but he rose quickly. So uh, by September, uh, he goes from 217 all the way up to 93. So I think we, we quickly as a community realized that was, that was a little out of whack. That was a uh, missed value there uh, because regardless of what we knew about him at that point, uh, we knew he was going to get some playing time with Tom Brady, and, and that was that's all it takes for at least a little bit of value. So he goes from all the way from 217 inside the top 100 the next month. Uh, by October, and this again, this is October of 2017, he's up to 77, continues to rise in November 72, and that was his high point uh, over the past year, which goes along with exactly what we've seen for years at DLF with, with veteran contender, I'm sorry, uh, those, those contender pieces gaining value during the season. 
And then when the offseason hits, they start to lose value again. That's what we saw. November, his high point of 72. In December, many of our fantasy seasons might be over or, or at least be drawing to a conclusion. Uh, he drops down to 91 then. By March of this year, he's all the way down to 150 overall, 156 in April. And then we start the, uh, to see the, the climb back up, 134, 115. 91 overall in July and now 77 overall in August. So uh, the the interesting thing here is he's his starting point is so much different. We saw in last year during the season he goes from 217 to 72. Now he's starting at 70 77. How much higher can he go? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, we kind of, I mentioned earlier, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the name value that maybe some of the other veteran receivers have. And and I wonder if that plays into kind of the extreme volatility that a guy like Hogan can have, even though there's uh, reason to be optimistic at different times. I mean, whether it's even the end season, he drops 20 picks from November to December, and obviously the off season and uh, and everything that occurred there. With a guy like that, Ryan, I mean, do you almost have to hold if you start to see those kind of major dips, like from December to April, where he goes from 91 to 156? Um, or do you tend to try to get rid of those guys uh, as soon as kind of the offseason hits, knowing that that might be the case. I think in general, those those underappreciated veterans, and there's so many of them, um, you, you just have to hold through the offseason or even, even buy in the offseason and then uh, flip them, sell them during the season because this is, uh, this is one of those trends that we see every single year. It, it has not changed in the five or six years that I've been – really following ADP. So I, I don't expect it to change anytime soon. We can take advantage of this. So let's let's transition to a younger wide receiver here. Unfortunately, not a positive uh, story with, with former first-round pick Laquan Treadwell, another Minnesota Vikings receiver. Uh, you know, after talking about Thielen and Kendall Wright earlier, he goes from 122 last August to 222 in the ADP now. So about 100 pick drop pretty massive there uh in in august of 2018 he went just after andy dalton just before justin watson uh so that's exciting uh range of of <laughs> 201 to 237 so he's pretty clearly in that that 200 range uh and no, no, none of our rankers had him in their top 200 so so clearly he's been someone who's been largely discarded at this point ryan i mean uh, you know, obviously, if you picked him a few years ago, you're probably still hanging on to him, even if everyone is down on him at this point. Yeah, he he's a guy. I mean, we all know his story basically at this point. He did. Uh, we'll get into the the ADP over the past year, but um, when he entered the league, his ADP was 20 overall. So there were clearly very high hopes, high expectations for Treadwell. That was at the point when we were all still building our teams around young wide receivers. And, you know, it was one of those, like, heat check kind of moments, right? You talk about that in basketball. You you hit a couple shots and you just feel like you can fire up anything and nothing will go wrong. That's, that's what happened here. I mean, some people took Treadwell over, uh, over Ezekiel Elliott, uh, which, you know, obviously that, that hurts at this point. Um, on the bright side, though, it wasn't that long ago where we all trusted the third year breakout wide receiver theory. Uh, and then we were spoiled in 2014 and, and, and beyond by these immediate producers. So I understand why people have given up on him. He's, uh, he hasn't produced at all. We've got Thielen that we, we mentioned already. We've got Stefan Diggs. Both of those guys have signed long-term deals to remain in Minnesota, it's hard to see uh, hard to see opportunity or targets opening up anytime soon. But Treadwell's still a first a first round talent, right? He still has that on his side. He has age on his side. Uh, he's got an elite offense that, that he's a part of. 
So we, we just need to continue to see him grow and, and earn a role. Yeah, and, and, and to your point on the third-year breakout, I mean, we've seen even recent guys like Aguilar and, and Devontae Adams and some of these guys who were really given up on after the first season or two and, and really came back strong. So so I would agree. I think there's there's always that chance, not to say that Treadwell's going to follow suit, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely seems like people have really given up on him at this point and, uh you know, again, we've been spoiled by some of these more recent draft classes who've who've kind of come out and really hit the ground running. And you know, maybe Treadwell instead of being that that easy three point shot is maybe that big arcing rainbow shot, and we just haven't seen it come down and and you know either airball or or, or hit the basket and actually make it in. Uh, so positionally, you know, our rankers do have him as wide receiver eighty, have him just after Curtis Samuel, uh, just before Muhammad Sanu. Uh, range between 67 and 91. What about you, Ryan? Where do you kind of have him placed in your rankings? And, and you know, kind of where do you think he falls in terms of some of these other, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel's a young receiver who hasn't shown much yet. Is that kind of where you're putting him is kind of in that kind of unknown young receiver uh, type of realm as you, as you rank him? Yeah, I think that the guys you mentioned, that makes sense that he would be around those players. Samuel, Again, like you said, kind of kind of a similar situation, unproven, uh, but a relatively high draft pick. And then those veterans who we kind of know what they have to offer. Mohamed Sanu is a good example of that. He, he doesn't have a high ceiling at all, but w- we know what we'll get from Sanu. That is the range. I'm, I'm actually kind of on the high side. I think you said the high was 67 for Treadwell Rankers. I have him as my wide receiver, 71. Uh, so still still some hope and the best thing about Treadwell if you are still a believer is that his price has come way down from where it was uh, prior to his rookie year yeah absolutely and and I think uh, especially in some of those shallow leagues you know it's, it gets a little harder to hold on to a Treadwell and and if you have that available spot then maybe that's an opportunity to make one of those deals uh, speaking of which let's talk about a few of the recent ones uh, so the first one, again, uh, pretty pretty simple. Laquan Treadwell for a 2019 third-round pick, Ryan. I mean, to me, this feels like like a, a pretty good gamble to take for, for a guy like Treadwell. Uh, to your point, you know, former first-round pick and isn't a good offense, and maybe he's one injury away from, uh, you know, getting a real role in this offense. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. It, it is a, a good price uh, at that point. I would take the Treadwell side. Um, you can find some nice players in the third round, but I just think that's that's a fair price to to pay to see if if he can turn his career around. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying it's an unfair deal by any means. And to your point, you right. can definitely hit in that third round. Uh, but but yeah, for, you know, for knowing what you have in, in Treadwell, at least in terms of his draft pedigree and and you know the team he's on and and some of those things, it's it's worth that gamble, I believe. So uh, next one. Uh, Laquan Treadwell in a 2019 second for Naheem Hines. Uh, you know, maybe a few weeks ago this felt a little closer. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on Hines and and where you see him and, and how it compares in this deal? Yeah, I think I do think this is probably the most interesting trade of, of the Treadwell deals we'll talk about here. Um, Hines was kind of a hot name coming into camp. The camp reports have not been great on him. We we still really don't know what to make of this this Colts backfield situation with Hines disappointing. Wilkins looks like he's been solid, and and of course Marlon Mack has been injured. So I don't know what to think, but but I do know that fairly recently we saw Naheem Hines going in the second round of of pretty much every draft I took part in. That that's a, a fair assessment of his value. So to get a second rounder back in next year's class, which uh, I'm a fan of, I know you're not quite as high on, but I'm a fan of that class. And and then taking a shot on Treadwell, I think I'd take the Treadwell side here as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the depth of next year's class. I'm a little bit lower, I think, on that first round of next year's class. And, and you know, that, that always changes uh, given another college season. You just never know which way it can go and who declares and who doesn't, all those fun things. But But I'm with you. I think... Uh, I think that second round will actually be a pretty good uh, place to be next year. I think there will be a lot of value there, and I think it's it's a deep enough class where if you're looking for a running back, I think there may be better uh, running back opportunities in that second round than maybe 
what we would see for Heinz and, and you know, his, uh, you know, specific skill set. So the last one here, Ryan, uh, I would say it's star-studded because a lot of first-rounders in this trade. Laquan uh, <laughs> Treadwell for Tavon Austin and Philip Dorsett. So we have three former first-rounders. Uh, I mean, dissect this one. Yeah, all, all studs here for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually didn't pick up on that or didn't think about that. that these these are all three first-rounders. Uh, this just comes down to, to really who you believe in because we haven't seen much production from any of these guys. Uh, some people might view it as um, nice to to get to take two shots rather than one uh, with Austin and Dorsett on one side, Treadwell on the other. But those are a couple of players that I didn't believe in, even with their first round draft capital. I avoided them when they were rookies. Um, and uh, on, on the flip side, I was a tr- big Treadwell fan. Obviously, so far that has not panned out. But in, in this deal, I would still take Treadwell over uh, over the other two. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Treadwell side as as well. To your point, I wasn't I was not big on Dorsett at all. I think he was a pretty uh, pretty big surprise as a first round pick for a lot of people. Um, and then with with Tavon Austin, obviously he's had a lot of opportunities. He's had kind of mixed success. Um, you know, had a year or two where where he looked pretty good, uh, but obviously now on a new team and you know I don't even know what his position is at this point. Uh, so so yeah, I'll take I'll take Treadwell and and take my chance there versus the the other two. So I'll take the one first rounder over two first rounders in this case. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the ADP here, Ryan. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the fall of Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, and fall is, is the right word. We talked with Hogan and we've talked about with so many other players that you see those ups and downs depending on uh, the part of the season or their age or, or production, whatever it might be. With Treadwell, it's all about production or or the lack thereof, and because of that, we we just see almost a complete downward slope with his ADP. We already said that one year ago this month, August of 27, his ADP was 122 overall, and from there it dropped 130, 157. We actually saw a little bit of a spike in November. Not, not sure what happened, but up to 140, and then back down 157, 205, 207, 206, and then 222 in June. Also, his current ADP is 222, uh, and that that represents a hundred spot drop from August to August over the past year. Yeah, maybe I don't remember his season last year, but maybe there was a blip of a game uh, at some point around that November uh, November time frame. It was it was that two catch game, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, he had ten percent of the snaps, and people got excited. Uh, so, so let's let's shift to another wide receiver here. Let's go to Geronimo Allison, a guy who's risen uh, basically undrafted last year, uh, two thirty nine, uh, all the way up to one sixty four. Uh, he's between Dak Prescott and Eric Ebron, uh, and and he's dra- he's been he was drafted this past month as high as one hundred thirty three. His low was two hundred. So clearly, there's a lot of uh, division amongst where maybe he should be placed. Um, not, doesn't even fall into the top 200 for, for our DLF rankers as well. Uh, so there's a lot to kind of dissect there, Ryan, a lot to really examine because it seems like the rankers uh, are much lower on Allison than, than drafters. And, uh, you know, how much of this is a is a play on, you know, who's going to be that other Packers wide receiver versus Geronimo Allison himself? Yeah, I think Allison's an interesting case because... I do think as he's being viewed as, and he should be viewed, he's he's the wide receiver three in Green Bay for this year, right? Or or at least for the beginning of the season. But I still think people look at him and, and just think he has a limited ceiling. We haven't really seen much from him as far as consistent production, even when some of the other guys have been hurt over the past couple of years. I would imagine without injury, it's it's almost impossible for him to pass – Devontae Adams or or even Randall Cobb in that offense and you also have Jimmy Graham they uh and of course they're going to use their backfield I'm sorry their running backs to to catch the ball as well so he's just pretty far down on the pecking order in Green Bay even this year and then if you're thinking long term we know they added those three wide receivers we know they always like to use uh, day two picks on wide receivers and with Cobb getting older um, if one of these young guys, either Allison or one of the rookies, doesn't step up 
this year, then it, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them use a second or third rounder on a wide receiver in that deep 2019 class, which would push Allison even further down the line. Yeah, we saw that with Devontae Adams when they had Cobb and, and Jordy, and it seemed like that, that was a uh, luxury pick, but turns out that, that clearly it wasn't. You know, Jordy was getting older, just like Cobb is getting older, and, and they really just didn't have necessarily uh, proven or talented depth in terms of, of what they had. Uh, you know, he, he also doesn't come into the top 100 wide receivers for our positional rankers. I mean, it's pretty clear that there is a big difference here between how uh, he's being viewed by drafters, how he's being viewed by our, our DLF writers in that community. And and I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's just that our, our DLF writers don't buy into it and they prefer the rookies. I mean, several of the rookies are clearly ranked in our, our top 100 for uh, position, uh, as well as even in the top 200, you know, a guy like Jamon Moore seems to fall in the rankings. Uh, I think some have uh, Equinemia St. Brown in their ranking as well. Uh, so, so it's clear that at least um, from a dynasty perspective, there's there's value placed higher on the rookies when it comes to uh, our DLF rankers, and and maybe it's a little bit closer for uh, the ADP community, the the people who volunteer to draft each month. Uh, for us, so let's let's go to a few trades here, Ryan. Uh, I'll start with uh, you know I always try to start with a, a pretty clear uh, one for one type of deal. Uh, Geronimo Allison for the two oh seven. I feel like I know where you're gonna go with this, but but I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, this this is a surprising one for me. Uh, the two oh seven we're talking about Naheem Hines, who we mentioned, uh, Kalen Balaj, Dante Pettis, one of the quarterbacks maybe. Uh, Dallas Goddard, those are players going in that 2.07 range, and to me, this is this is not close. Uh, I'd I'd easily prefer the pick over uh, over Allison. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Whether you're going to use it or or you turn it around and, and trade it for something, I feel you can get more for the 207 than Geronimo Allison. So you know whether you want to use the pick on any of those rookies, which I would prefer, basically all of those above. Uh, Allison, as well as uh, just taking the pick and, and finding something else uh, to, to you know use for my roster rather than a, a I don't even want to call him an upside shot. It feels more like a long shot in Allison. So uh, the second trade here, I, I kind of combined a few because it seemed like there were a lot of um, former first rounders that, that were a little disappointing who were one for one deals for Allison, including Corey Coleman, Kevin White, and Laquan Treadwell. I mean, w- would you take Allison over any of those guys, or, or would you still take the shot on these former first-rounders, uh, you know, two of which are still with the original team? Uh, you know, wh- what are you thinking there? Um, I-, I love the idea of using a guy like Allison to take a shot on Corey Coleman or take a shot on Laquan Treadwell. Those are both players I've been a fan of and a believer of in the past, and, and I've had shares of on my own roster. Uh, Why... Sorry, George. Sorry, sorry, Bears fan. Um, he's not a guy I. I don't think I've ever had Kevin White on a roster. Uh, didn't didn't buy into the hype there. I guess I would probably take Geronimo Allison. Just tied to tied to Aaron Rodgers uh, helps a little bit. Cobb is already hurt, so maybe if they're uh, if, if that continues to be an issue, maybe we do see some short term value uh, and production from him. I'd take that over Kevin White. Yeah, yeah. My problem with White is is less about the talent, which which we really haven't even seen, if we're being honest. Uh, more just about the situation and how how awful it is. I mean, at best, he's the wide receiver four on his own team, and and I don't even think he's that necessarily. Uh, so so yeah, I agree with you. I think Allison might be a better uh, gamble at that point. But I agree with you. I think Corey Coleman and Treadwell, those are kind of the perfect guys to turn around and take, especially a guy like Coleman who's going to a new team and we just have really no idea uh, what's going to happen there. But at least that's a wide open situation. Um, Whereas I think with Allison, it it appears wide open. And yet at the same time, there are a lot of people contending for that, that wide open spot, if you will. So last one here is uh, Geronimo Allison for Willie Sneed and a 2019 third. Uh, Let me ask you this question before I even ask you your take. Do you need the third? To, to, to pull this deal, or, uh, or, or is that necessary uh, to sway you one direction or the other? It, it's really not. I'm actually still a little bit of a believer in Willie Sneed. I'm, um, I guess I would, it, it's rare to be 
happy for a player to get out of that Saints situation, but they had clearly soured on him, so I am glad to see him get a fresh start, even if it's in Baltimore with Joe Flacco. Uh, but I, I'm still a fan of his. Love A lot like Treadwell, I, I love the new price and that you can uh, acquire him very cheaply, as, as we can see here. Uh, so I would prefer Snead straight up versus Allison, and, and getting a third rounder makes it even easier decision. What if it was just the 2019 third for Allison? Would you take Allison at that point if it was just the pick? Yes, I'd rather have the pick as well. Oh, oh you'd rather have the pick? Okay. Well, there we yeah. go. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you with everything you said there, especially uh, concerning Willie Snead. I think there's you know, a, a chance that, that he really shows. And, and Baltimore, you know, I'm not a big Flacco fan either, but they do pass the ball a ton. Uh, so, so at the very least, volume is a is a is an option, even if it's very inefficient volume. So, so let's talk about the ADP here, Ryan, with Geronimo Allison. How has he kind of gone over the last year? Yeah, for the most part, we haven't seen uh, any big jumps with Allison up until just recently. So, uh, August of 2017, he was 239. You mentioned that's essentially undrafted. We draft 240 players in each mock draft. So if you have an ADP, really anything outside of that 220, 230 range, uh, there's a good chance you were undrafted in more than one of our mock drafts. So 239 in August. In September, he actually was undrafted in all six. So that, that would give him an ADP of 241, along with many, many other players. And he kind of hovered around that range. His high was actually... Uh, May of this year, it gets up to 222, and then we see uh, some quick jumps from him. 216 in June, 177 in July, so that was a, a major jump, and then up another round or so to 164 in August. I think this is partially having to do with what I mentioned earlier with that redraft bump that. Uh, Maybe while dynasty players aren't valuing him because of the the rookies they added, or, uh, or or because of Adams and Cobb and Graham in front of him, redraft owners are at least seeing, especially in those best ball leagues, at least seeing a little bit of value and and maybe playing the what if game with Cobb's injury or uh, looking for uh, again just another piece of an Aaron Rodgers offense. Uh, so I don't know. That's that's really. The only thing that I can think of that would explain this this recent quick jump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a combination of kind of the off-season news, maybe over the last few months, Cobb's injury, and, and you know, any connection to Aaron Rodgers never hurts. So, so let's go to our last guy here, Ryan. Let's talk about Dante Moncrief, the, the wide receiver from Jacksonville, or, well, newly minted in Jacksonville, uh, you know, where, where everyone's a starter and nobody's a starter. Uh, so, so last August, he was a top 50 player. He went at 50 in ADP and, and now he's down to 179. So a drop of almost 130 picks here, uh, pretty significant. Uh, he was drafted just after Peyton Barber and just before Vance McDonald, a couple of other guys who have seen a few dips and, and jumps in the past, uh, past year or two. He did go as high as 147 in one draft, and he actually went outside the two, outside of the top 200 at 208 uh, in another. So, so pretty big range there, Ryan. Uh, but clearly, our, our our top 200 rankers are a little bit more uh, enthusiastic about him. He's at 139 there, just after Josh Rosen, just before C.J. Anderson, and we actually have one ranker who has him all the way up to 107, uh, while another's down to 172. So. This tells me two things. One, we clearly have no idea <laughs> what to do with Dante Moncrief. Uh, and secondly, I think, you know, people people who've been uh, in Dynasty, especially the, the people dissecting it, analyzing it, uh, as our, our writers do, uh, have a little bit more of maybe a soft spot for a guy like Moncrief, who they probably had much higher in the past, just like uh, our ADP drafters did, but are a little bit more hesitant to let go. Yeah, and Moncrief's actually a guy, if you track his ADP back further than a year, uh, a year and a half or even two years, he was inside the second round. He was a top 24 overall pick, uh, one of those guys that we as a dynasty communi- community speculated on, um, and and it, it, 
at least up until this point, have been wrong on. Uh, of course, Andrew Luck has essentially been injured the past year and a half, and uh, it's hard to know. With Moncrief now on a new team, it's hard to know how much of his success was tied to Andrew Luck and at the same time how much of his his disappointment, his lack of fantasy production was also tied to Luck's um, injury and, and being out of the lineup. So I'm really excited to see him. Uh, uh, this kind of feels like the Willie Sneed comment. You don't you don't think about this saying this often, but I'm excited to see him in this Jacksonville offense. I think he's the most talented of their 14 wide receivers that all have the same value. Um, and, and on that one-year deal, I, I think he's their best wide receiver, and I think he, he should be and, and will be soon their most valuable wide receiver. Well, it was an interesting deal that they signed him to. It was one year, but it was fully guaranteed. So clearly they, at the very least, wanted to keep him in for that year. Didn't consider him as maybe you know putting him on a different style deal where they could cut him during... Uh, training camp or something if they felt like uh, he just wasn't fitting in. I mean, they, they, they at least seem confident enough to put the money there uh, for one year at the very least. Um, so positionally, he, he's at wide receiver 57, uh, just after Jordy Nelson, just before Martavis Bryant, another interesting uh, person in his own right. Uh, as high as 49 on, on one board and as low as wide receiver 77 on another, Ryan. So where do you have him? And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about a few wide receivers here. Uh, you know, how do you compare his upside maybe to some of these other guys we've been talking about? Yeah, he's another guy. I thought I might have the high mark on, uh, but I, I just missed that. He's my wide receiver, 57. Um, o- overall, while, while that might not represent this, overall I'm, I'm still a fan of Moncrief. Uh, I, would, I would be buying him at um, – you know, at this range and to see him there between Nelson and Martavis Bryant, uh, you know, it just feels like we're going back a couple of years because all three of those guys were top 24 players not so long ago. And and now for different reasons, they've all fallen off Uh, of these three. I want Moncrief. He, he actually feels the safest as a, as a long-term dynasty asset. We know what Jordy Nelson has been. Uh, but we also know he's he's getting older. He's learning a new offense, uh, and and we'll see if he can transition and give us one or two more productive years. And Martavis Bryant, we have no idea what we're going to get. Uh, certainly, some some big time upside there, but a, a, a very low floor as well. Um, so, of those three guys that are kind of being drafted in the same range. Moncrief is easily the one I would prefer. Yeah, it's interesting because all three are are you know new places this off season. Uh, you know, with, with Martavis obviously leaving uh, Pittsburgh as well, which may have been a good thing in retrospect, seeing how well some of these other Pittsburgh receivers are doing. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Moncrief seems to have the biggest commitment from the team, seems to be uh, the most well-positioned to really show something this year rather than uh, the other two. So let's talk about a couple of these trades. Let's start, uh, you know, for, for a pick here, uh, Dante Moncrief for a 2019 second. How do you feel about that? Is that, you know, you talked about liking Moncrief. Is that a deal that you'd be willing to make for him? Yeah, probably not. I, I kind of think, I mean, we, we pull all these trades from the DLF Trade Finder, which are a collection of actual trades that have gone down in, in leagues. And, I mean, that's, that's not far off. I wouldn't uh, go out of my way to argue that deal. But at the same time, I think he could ha- be had just a, a little bit cheaper, maybe a third rounder and, and something, or maybe even two third rounders could get it done. The second is, is just a little bit more than I'd be willing to pay. Yeah. That's kind of where I landed as well. I, I I don't necessarily think that, that the, the Moncrief upside is enough to warrant giving up that, that random second. Um, but yeah, I, it's it, to your point. I think there's probably another deal with with picks that could be better made to to really make me feel comfortable with with doing that deal for Moncrief. So, uh, next one, another one for one here, Moncrief for for Paul Richardson, another receiver who goes to a new offense, got a pretty big commitment from his new team. I guess it, it comes down to who are you higher on here? Are you higher on Moncrief or are you higher on uh, Richardson and what he might bring to to Washington? Yeah, I was I was also surprised by that payday Richardson got from the Redskins. Kind of like Moncrief's situation, a little bit of a crowded 
uh, wide receiver core there. We're not exactly sure who who is going to step up and be the wide receiver one or, uh, or or even you know the wide receiver three or four. Richardson is is again not a guy I've I've been a fan of. Um, so pretty easily this is Dante Moncrief for me. Yeah, this is Moncrief for me as well. I mean, we've seen with the with uh, the Redskins, you know, they they paid some money to Terrell Pryor and they put him on the bench as soon as they realized he wasn't doing much. And and didn't and pretty much buried him that entire season that they had him. So uh, I don't I don't have much to add to that other than I would go the Moncrief side as well. So uh, third one here, Moncrief and Gio Bernard, a pair of guys that I think both of us like. Uh, for Michael Gallup and, and Gerald Everett, I think this one has a lot of interesting pieces, even if none of them are necessarily uh, big big names. So what it, what what do you think on this one? I feel like the value is probably on the Gallup side. Um, it, it, we talk about ceiling and floor, and he has he has a pretty high ceiling just due to opportunity, uh, but he also has a low floor. I mean, he's a rookie wide receiver, of course, learning a new offense, and and we have no idea what he's going to give us. But I do know he's going in that early second round range. Would I give that up for? a pair of guys who have lost quite a bit of value over the past year or two. That's tough. I I think I'd probably go Gallup and Gerald Everett here, but this is a really close one. Yeah, I'm not a big Gallup fan, but but to your point, I think the opportunity is really there and and you know, I always said he was a kind of a bit of a volume guy in college and and Zay Jones had a similar kind of uh background there, had a really big volume in college that made the stats look a lot nicer maybe than what uh, what some other players had coming out. But, you know, the Dallas committed to him pretty early in the draft, and uh, they were pretty keen on letting Des walk and, you know, move on with, with what they had, including Gallup. And so that's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I like Gerald Everett coming out. I still think there's something there, even if they've piled on a lot of receiving options in uh, in Los Angeles. I'm I'm going the Gallup Everett side, but I agree with you. I think this one is a, is a pretty close deal. So let's talk about the the ADP movement here, Ryan. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of precipitous falls with some of these players in this episode, or at least uh, Treadwell. Uh, Moncrease was uh, pretty massive as well. Yes, just just like Treadwell, he's essentially fallen in ADP almost every month for the past year. Uh, we talked about the August. 2017 ADP of 50 by September he's dropped to 60 so it's a little bit of a of a steady drop for him 65 in October 78 November 96 and then once this offseason really kicked in this past offseason we saw some of the moves they made um, and and we saw uh, of course Moncrief really get no attention from the Colts I don't I don't think they had any intention of signing him and and that I think that's important to note as well but uh, regardless his ADP continues to fall 134 in March 146 in April way down to 172 in May and it's it's basically hung in that range 171 177 and now the low point of 179 in August yeah it's uh kind of once he signed with with Jacksonville that kind of leveled him out uh, and, and I wasn't sure if he'd, you know, see a rise. It seemed like there was a possibility if he climbed up that depth chart and made it pretty clear that he'd be a starter. But I think because it's still a, a murky situation there, we really haven't maybe seen that rebound in ADP that uh, maybe some people expected uh, after he made that uh, that deal to go to Jacksonville. So let's, uh, let's, let's do something a little different here at the end. Let's talk about, you know, we've been talking about guys who've seen some pretty big uh, leaps, you know, we're talking 80, 100 picks, so pretty big falls as well. Uh, so let's do a little prediction here, Ryan. Who do you see as someone who could make that big leap from from today, from maybe August ADP uh, 2018 to 2019? Obviously, we're going to see rookies and free agency and, and a whole season's worth of play. So, uh, you know, to say that we're, we're guessing even intelligently is probably not fair to say. Uh, but but is there a name or two that stand out as somebody who maybe could could make a pretty big leap between now and then? Yeah, there, there's a couple that come to mind that are way down the list of our ADP, and uh, it, it's funny we were talking about this 
before we started the show, you look at some of these options, some of these names at the end, and, and you just think none of these players are ever going to become top 100 dynasty assets. And, and again, it's just that, that short-sightedness, that, that short memory that we have. Uh, but, but some of these players who look like no names, and they're probably on waiver wires right now, they will be in the top 100 this time next year. Um, a, a couple that I think have at least some opportunity to do that. Uh, Ido Smith is, of course, the rookie running back with the Falcons. Um, and, and we've talked about Tevin Coleman quite a bit on this show that uh, we expect him to leave the Falcons via free agency next year. And, and that was kind of the narrative when they drafted Ido Smith was that he was uh, potentially the Tevin Coleman replacement in 2019 uh, going forward. So if we see a little bit of him this year, if Coleman leaves uh, in the spring via free agency, I think we could see Smith really moving up our ADP. And, and the other guy that I that came to mind was Zay Jones, um, who uh, honestly is another player I avoided in rookie drafts a year ago, someone I didn't believe in uh, and, and didn't necessarily like the role. The role's not much better now, but I, I do see some some opportunity in that Buffalo offense, mainly because I, I don't trust anybody else. I don't trust Kelvin Benjamin. I'm not sure that I trust Corey Coleman at this point. Uh, one of those two could really emerge, but I think Zay Jones could emerge as well. And if he's the wide receiver one for that team, he should gain quite a bit of value. Yeah, and it at least seems like the, the Bills are... Uh, especially after the A.J. McCarron injury, they, they at least seem interested in starting Josh Allen. Uh, that's a real possibility. And if he develops that chemistry with Zay Jones, that could be something that uh, persists for a few years at the very least. So, so yeah, I, I would agree. That's an interesting one. Uh, another name for me that stood out, I know that Cortland Sutton gets kind of all the uh, publicity in the Broncos uh, as kind of the rookie receiver. Uh, but I think Deshaun Hamilton's an interesting one as well. I think he's a guy that, that some people really liked going into draft season. Uh, I think some people were a little surprised that the Broncos went with two receivers, especially because uh, they had picked a few receivers in the last few drafts. So it's not like they were necessarily completely bare. Um, but then the offseason unfolded and we, we saw a few uh, interesting developments. But uh, Hamilton's a guy I like. I think he could, uh, especially if, if Thomas and or Sanders leave, that it could open up. Uh, possibility for him, especially if, if Case Keenum turns out to do well. I think there's some chances there. Uh, and, and I'm going to say this, and I, I don't want to say it, but Equinemia oh, St. Brown is the other one that, you know, I get it. He was a day three pick. He went really late, but we've seen this with, with the Packers enough to know that that depth chart can get climbed really fast if if you're doing well and uh, you know, anytime you're attached to a guy like Aaron Rodgers, that can really propel you up the up the draft board pretty quickly. So um, that's the other one I'll say. I mean, obviously, there, there, I'm sure injuries and other things could propel some other guys, but those would be the other two that stand out beyond the two that you mentioned. Well, St. Brown does actually make a lot of sense um, uh, because he has he's almost been a top 100 pick already, right? It, when he debuted in our ADP in February, his ADP was 108. Um, and and with the draft, when his, with his fall, with the Packers taking two wide receivers ahead of him in the draft, now he's he's barely being drafted. I, I think his ADP is 230 right now. So he has he has that upside, at least that value upside that we know there are fantasy players, dynasty owners that are enamored with him, that are fans of his. And if we do actually see it on the field, if he if he overcomes. The other two rookies, if he overcomes Geronimo Allison, if Randall Cobb gets hurt, there's there's the story to tell to see him as inside that top 100 or at least 75, 80, 100 spots higher than he is right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think anytime a guy performs well, draft position gets thrown out the window, whereas it's the inverse. If a first rounder doesn't do very well, we tend to cling a little bit longer than uh, than maybe we should. Treadwell, uh, maybe a, a point there for at least a little bit and not so much anymore. Uh, so let's talk about some guys who could potentially tumble down the uh, down the totem pole here. Uh, who could you see maybe as a guy or two who falls 80, 100 or more spots over the next year? I think there's several players that we have to be worried about uh, at this point. It, it feels like, you know, if you've been playing Dynasty for 
maybe four or five years now, a lot of the names have kind of stayed the same, even even with this infusion of talent, especially at the running back position in the past two years. A lot of these names have been valuable assets and, and top producers uh, throughout that time. And we talk about this at the quarterback position with so many quarterbacks nearing the end of their career, but I think it's happening uh, with wide receivers and with tight ends as well. We, we lost Antonio Gates and well, maybe not. We lost at least Jason Witten right over the past year who had, had been that safe uh, producer. And, and there's a couple other guys getting up there in age nearing 30 or over 30 who could, they could lose value simply because they, they're, they retire, right? So Delaney Walker is is an interesting one. I had I had a lot more doubts about him before he signed that new deal with Tennessee. That that does make me feel, even though I think he's thirty four now, that makes me feel a little bit safer about his his situation beyond twenty eighteen. Another is Jamal Williams with the Packers. He's uh, surprisingly a, a valuable asset. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I think that might be another product of that redraft ADP uh, really, really affecting the dynasty ADP that we see and that we use. But right now he is a top 100 asset. I could see him certainly falling and and maybe even doubling that ADP. Yeah. I, I think Williams, I mean, all it would take is a draft pick or a bad season from him and he could fall maybe completely off the board potentially. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before the show that, that Devonte Parker was a guy who maybe is on the, on the bubble here right now. I mean, how many more chances are our owners going to give him? And this might be that year where if he doesn't produce, he could be a guy that takes a, a Laquan Treadwell type of tumble down outside the top 200. Uh, if things really don't go his way, uh, Julian Edelman with the suspension and everything, we don't know if he's coming back uh, after this year even. Um, and if someone does step up and, and do a good job replacing him, whether that's Eric Decker or somebody else, uh, they may, they, they may move on from him. Um, and then there's some other older receivers that, that we just don't know when that decline is going to occur, like Michael Crabtree, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, those type of guys. Uh, and then there's always Josh Gordon. As much as I hate to say it, there's always Josh Gordon, who's who's tumbled in and out so many times. I mean, uh, you know, he has to be one of the favorites to either, you know, get into the top 20 or drop out of the top 200. Gordon is is just a unique case in in really all aspect, aspects. Uh, I am glad to see him back, and uh, hopefully he can he can play and produce, and everything is is well because we know the talent is there, and uh, we know we want to see it. Uh, but I mean, one you hate to even you know consider this or, or think about it, but it's hard to imagine him surviving talking about his dynasty value, obviously surviving another type of all field setback. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I guess one last thing I'll, I'll touch on here. We didn't mention any quarterbacks in this as far as uh, rising or falling. I mean, what would it take for a quarterback to, to jump that 100 spots? I know we saw maybe Deshaun Watson kind of take a pretty big jump last year uh, and Carson Wentz too. Um, do you see any guys who could either make that leap or, or conversely, like really take a tumble if, if things go the right or wrong way for them? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think the rookies are probably the, um, the most likely option. Um, when you look at where their ADP is now, we've talked about Lamar Jackson being uh, a little bit higher than we might expect at this point. Uh, but right now Jackson is... Jackson is our quarterback 15, and his ADP is 150 overall. It's hard to see him doing that. Baker Mayfield is right behind him. But if you go further down the list, Josh Rosen, quarterback 23, 180 is his ADP. Sam Darnold, 195. He's quarterback 26. Both of those guys, I think, with successful seasons um, could get close to that. And then Mitchell Trubisky, your quarterback, is another one that uh, I, I think things have kind of cooled off a little bit as far as the bears talk and being the, the next Rams. But I still, regardless of, of those lofty expectations, I still expect a big year from Chicago offensively with, as far as compared to what we have seen the past couple of years and Trubisky's our quarterback 21 with a 166 ADP. So 
Can he climb 100 spots? I doubt it, but he could climb. He sh- could certainly climb into the top 100 overall. Yeah, no, I think those are all great, great uh, players to name. And, and you know, I, I mentioned Watson and, and, and Wentz as guys, you know, who made pretty big climbs last year. I mean, do you feel like as I look at maybe some of the top quarterbacks with, with Rodgers and Wilson and Cam Newton and then obviously Wentz and Watson are in there as well, I mean, do you see them as kind of those two vulnerable guys who could maybe see a tumble if, if you know, whether it's another injury in the case of either one or, or maybe just a not nearly as productive of a season? Could you see them fall back maybe a little bit more in line with some of the other uh, quarterbacks who are going kind of a little bit later in the draft? Possibly. We just see such a big gap right now between between the quarter, the top six quarterbacks, which right now that break is between Andrew Luck and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, there, there's two full rounds difference between their ADP. So if anyone, Watson, Wentz, Luck is, is obviously a candidate depending on his health. If any of those guys fall out of that top six, we're not just talking about falling from six to seven or six to eight, but two full rounds or more. Um, even if you just go down to the quarterback 10, there's there's five or six rounds difference between Andrew Luck and and Kirk Cousins, so I, I think Watson and and Wentz bo- again both have age on their side. The guy would b- be worried about losing some value is Russell Wilson. Actually, um, he, of of our uh, top six quarterbacks, he's I think he's the second oldest other than Aaron Rodgers. That offense is. Uh, certainly one to be concerned about. Maybe that just means he he throws a ton and and he's the one making all the plays, which is essentially what we saw last year. Uh, But we also saw in in that week two preseason game, his offensive line was was just embarrassing. And luckily he wasn't in for most of those those bad plays. Uh, He he wasn't in the danger zone there, but we know he will be this regular season. Yeah. And he's annually one of the guys who gets pressured the most often among quarterbacks. So, so that's always concerning when, when those pressures start to turn into hits and sacks. So I think we'll wrap up here, Ryan. Great episode as, as always on your end, not so much for me, you know, thanks everybody for listening. This has been episode 19 of the player Raider podcast and uh, looking forward to the season. Hopefully we'll squeeze one more in Ryan. I think we can do it. All right. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank you.